Kerry, what are we witnessing right now? We're witnessing mass migration of people clad in red and black towards this new massive stadium that we're standing right next to. We are in downtown Atlanta, right outside Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and people are coming like almost like 50 at a time from the, <laughs> from, the, from the street and slowly filling up the stadium. And we're here, we're soon about to go into the tailgate and meet with other Atlanta United friends and have a good time. But this is what everything is about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, this is what everything in football and soccer is about, right? I mean, everyone is gathered here. Everyone's been expecting this stadium and the team to play in this stadium for months or a year or so, ever since the stadium was announced. It was announced that Atlanta United will be playing in the stadium. Uh, I remember when they actually showed the first like video of how the I stadium would look like yeah. and we saw like the big I haven't been inside yet. Not yet. I haven't been inside yet. Uh, but on that video man it looked amazing. What a design. You have the view over downtown and you know this is something spectacular. And now we're outside it and it doesn't really feel real yet. But it's amazing, man. It's it, amazing. Does it remind you at all of like the first game once you're walking to Bobby Dodd Stadium, the temporary home, and there's all those people just congregating together, heading towards the ground, and as the ground slowly got louder and louder, the closer you got and the more buzz around the whole area just increased and increased. It's almost like that again. Yeah, man. Totally, it? totally. <laughs> and this is more anticipated than before because yeah. we know the, the good success crowd, crowd wise that we right. had at the Atlanta United games we know how we will turn up and uh, so this is like more anticipated than ever before I feel like I so. and if you look at the soccer world anywhere in the world right like look in England Italy or Turkey wherever you want to look at right you don't you don't have anything like this you don't have anything that is similar to this and that's why this experience or why we're here makes it so much bigger you know you ha occasionally have new stadiums yeah but you don't really have a new team new yeah. fans new logo a new exper experience for our entire city to be, be behind a team yeah good point now most of us we have our own teams that we cheer for correct yeah but this is like our own city's team. And that is different. And that's the taste I'm getting right now. That is what's beautiful about, to be fair about sports in general, but I guess in particular soccer, it's beautiful that you know, the game can just bring all this excitement to an entire city or an entire state or entire region, wherever you are. Uh, and I'm just looking around. <laughs> I'm just looking around at the thousands of soccer fans here. I mean, this is similar to what we said about the the first game for Atlanta United. But I mean, to feel it all again with the new stadium and, like I said, with the new anticipation that's so different from anywhere else. Yes. Uh, yes. Magical. And the fact that it's right next to Georgia Dome. Oh, it's literally like 50 yards apart. <laughs> 50 so right yards. Next to each other. It's like 50 meters or whatever it is, yeah. right? And Georgia Dome is the old stadium, which also is massive. Yeah. Oh. But this is one of a kind stadium. I mean, once I was telling you just a second ago that 
as we were driving in. Yes. And I mean, I couldn't really see it. I knew it was a massive stadium, but I didn't really see it, I guess, with all the other buildings or so. But then the car just took a turn, just one <laughs> turn, and boom, the stadium is right there in front of you. And with the big Mercedes, uh, Mercedes symbol. And it was like, oh, that honestly startled me. It caught me off guard. It was really amazing. And uh, going into this stadium, man, it's going to be oh, yeah. incredible, you know? The noise. I can't wait to hear their supporters groups, Resurgence, Faction, Terminus Legion, uh, Footy Mob. All of them are going to make such wonderful noise and really colorful atmosphere for this game. Even well before. The guy that, we were, that was driving us said that man, people have been here for hours, hours. already. Hours. They've been at the tailgate. And tailgate is uh, very unique. It's more of an American tradition, right? It's I more of an so. American tradition. I, so. I, I mean, I, I know a lot of uh, teams in Europe, they have their own meeting right. meeting spots and pubs and bars and, all, you know, all kinds of different activities before. Yeah. But here it's more of a, like a plan. Everybody goes here, barbecue, yeah. drinking, uh, Different games, games, cornhole, cornhole, <laughs> and uh, we're, we're gonna go to the tailgate because we have like an hour left to the game, yep. and we are very happy to have you guys on this trip in our own city, Atlanta. Welcome to the Oscar Drinking Second Podcast Show. <laughs> Tailgating is definitely something different and uh, we haven't really had the chance to spend several hours at the tailgate some some people do, right? Nah. Some are getting there very early yeah. in the day. We normally show up maybe an hour, hour and a half at the earliest right? before the game. And, uh, but it, it is something that we definitely want to look into more and kind of address it, kind of understand the culture even more. And uh, obviously, it comes from other American sports, yeah. And it comes into soccer now, but it is really a pre-party before the real party starts, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and it's a great. It's like a big social gathering as well. You get tons of people, or even a small amount of people, to relax and have a good time and talk about the game before the game, what you think is going to happen. Um, really just enjoy yourselves get yourselves in the mood get yourselves in the in this case soccer mood you have people talking about it or playing kicking balls around and stuff so man i was in mood when you when you came and we went to the game i was in the in the mood same then here. you know same here <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like we said man being outside the stadium really gave you this um feeling of like Okay, this is like beginning of something big, or beginning yeah. beginning of something long term, sustainable in this city. You know, we Atlanta will have a soccer team for a very, very long time. Yeah, and I think the new stadium, the Mercedes Benz Stadium, will be around for a very long time. So it's like Atlanta United and the Benz Stadium mm -hmm. are becoming new icons of the city exactly new staples of atlanta and atlanta united fans yeah are becoming like the new role models of fans in mls in one way yeah you, you know a lot of praise for, for yeah the fans. 
and definitely impressed me at every game and I, I do my fair chair too you know we we yelling we screaming we singing and um, you know we all are part of it and especially when it was the Viking clap like this time it was the entire stadium again doing it yeah people were standing up it's amazing with the Viking clap it was great at the old stadium at Bobby Dodd yeah which was an open stadium right but with the closed dome the closed roof yeah of mercedes-benz as you'd expect particularly with the viking clap the whole each clap and each chant of atl really reverberates around like <laughs> it's kind of wild. echoing well yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think they're doing it too late you know yeah what do you mean by that what i mean what i mean they is like too late in the game in the game yeah they, they do it around like 40th minute i think sometimes it varies depends i wish they did it more like around 30 35 so that can give the again like a push and instead of when you finished it is like a couple of minutes left of the half you know i see what you're saying yeah i think you're being picky but i see what you're saying I, I, but, that is, <laughs> but that is you know good street i I'm, wouldn't be surprised if that's what a lot of capos and you know supporters group leaders uh think of yeah. i would be surprised i mean fans play an important role um as we've discussed at length doing whatever you can to give your team an edge and there i won't be surprised if there's that sort of strategic planning to it, it, it probably i mean it it, it it is you know no doubt it's not like they randomly picked 40th minute but that's why i was thinking <laughs> but i'm guessing maybe not you're right no, no i think they have a, like a Schedule they want to give yeah yeah they have i think they do it at the 40th and 85th or 80 something mm. but if you can do it a little bit earlier i think it'd be something just start with like right as the game is starting mm. just yeah. to get it going yeah. and then do whatever i know they don't want to do it too many times of course but the entering to the stadium we enter from the gate two and entering into the stadium uh, is like uh, you you know you have a little bit side of this you know stance but not the field mm. like you you know that uh out behind this there is like this pitch right yeah, yeah. and the stadium and the stands but walking around man it was a little bit too much american football you think so items and things and stuff like that which i don't mind it's the sharing it you know the sharing it and uh, and uh, but i was very impressed with the amount of uh, you know amount of food options beer options and basically you never in line and even to the restrooms yeah. there was like no line at the restroom at least where we were that's amazing yeah you know no lines for restrooms and like you said the lines for food and drinks were very very short weren't in them for too long um so that's fabulous and i can't quite remember what the prices were like at probably not but uh here at mercedes-benz stadium they they said that they would make the prices a lot more affordable. Mm-hmm. And I think they were. It was a bit yeah. better. A little bit better, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. Um, but I want to address the football thing. That oh, American go football ahead. Thing. I mean... Well, well, you saw... you saw. What did you see? All right. Tell well, me. no. I mean, that's a, that's a big talk topic. A big talking point mm-hmm. with MLS teams sharing NFL stadiums. Right. It's always... People are afraid that it's always going to be perceived as... The MLS team is treated as like the second-rate team, just borrowing the stadium or something. But really, the football team is the primary tenant, mm-hmm. the primary owners. Right. Um, and I think maybe that 
is true in some other MLS teams. We don't have to go into it too well. But other MLS teams, Seattle being the most the point the the, the example that everyone points to first because they play they share with the football oh. team. Um, but they they pack, also have a good American football team. They do, they do. But they both the football team and the Sounders, the Seahawks and the Sounders, uh, pack the stadium. Yeah, great fans. Yeah, and it becomes it, it's almost like that field, CenturyLink Field, is just as iconic for the Sounders as it is for the Seahawks and Atlanta United is no different and I think Atlanta United has the added benefits of a owner Arthur Blank who right from the beginning has state has been adamant that Mercedes-Benz Stadium is not just primarily for the Falcons right. where while Atlanta United is just borrowing it or something like exactly. that exactly yeah 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 it is a stadium built for both teams right from the get-go is built with soccer in mind just as equally as it is for football so even the locker rooms yeah HT they have, has their own locker know, room I exactly think. they have cool. even even tata has like i heard that like a secret path I to, that to meet up with the other <laughs> team's coach <Yeah. laughs> so and they have done like uh tunnels so it kind of reminds like of a real soccer stadium you know and and inside it is really like a soccer feeling, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah. It, everything I mean, looks like it. Just a, a couple of accessories and stuff that were, right. you know. You're right. There are, but I mean, it's not like it's not like I didn't feel at all like, like you said, you know, like that we are borrowed in this stadium. Yeah, I felt like it was uh, together here. I felt the same. And, and you're that's, right. That's how it should be too. Yeah, I agree. Know? That's fine. Yeah, you're right. There was because there was a lot of. American football items or or images and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> in fact, one at one moment once I was getting, I was in line to get a drink, and just off to the side, they were showing the the Falcons were playing at the same time, and so they were showing the Falcons game really? in Chicago, and there was a large gathering of people that was watching that. Uh, uh, that game, <laughs> even though the United <laughs> game was just kicking off, just kicking yeah, off, just starting. about to start. I know, but they were in line for the Falcons game, watching that, and then I heard a bunch of cheers that was so loud, and I think something happened in the United game. Yeah, and then I realized, oh no, this the Falcons just oh got a touchdown God, or something yeah. like that. But so yeah, there's definitely uh, the stadium definitely caters to both sports pretty equally which it's, which is not bad no, it's, not, it's unique i think it's but it's cool not, but yeah it's, it's nice it's cool it's yeah. cool and uh, then we eventually went to our seats mm. and uh, we went into the stadium a little bit earlier and uh, what we really see is like massive massive design of this incredible stadium I've never seen anything like it you know what I mean the entire roof has like LED screen around <laughs> and promoting this game the entire roof is you can open up the roof and get the light in if you want to and our view right now Kerry can you describe it please we are Almost directly behind one of the goals, across from the supporter section. Um, right now, and I love doing this. Both teams are out on the field now, um, just 
warming up. It's nice to see them do. It's even simple warm-ups. It's simple passing. Simple passes between them. Nothing really, but it's nice to see them. The players are taking shots right now. Shots. I love that, man. Yep, yep. Shots, passes, whichever. But uh, the ground is definitely filling up slowly and slowly, but it's getting it's loud. There's a big buzz around, as always. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, cheers. Cheers, man. Cheers. Cheers. about at this moment a little less than 35 30 minutes about 25 minutes or so left yep, yep. until kickoff and uh, I expect the place to explode that roof you're just talking about it's going to be gone by the end of the day <laughs> and behind the Sibori section like outside we have the view of downtown yeah. we yeah. see a couple of buildings and uh, uh, that, that's a nice touch yeah. look at that shot <laughs> <laughs> that was Yamil, Yamil Assad, I think. Or maybe it was Tito, actually. It looks like Tito. Yeah, it's Tito. Nice shot. Nice all nice shot. Now you see all the flags, people in the stands waving the flags around. Uh, they have this little small hand flags that you see in France a lot of PSG or French national games. I went to a PSG Bordeaux game with a friend and uh, they have the flags underneath the seat right. and they give it away and just looking around that stadium everybody fly, you know, waving the flags it increased the atmosphere so much and I can already tell like this stadium is built for the fans, for the, for the atmosphere, for the environment, to make it like uh, the best fan experience, and sh have a show, have a entertainment in the best possible level, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the uh, there's going to be around 42,000 or so people here today, wow. which is the max capacity for this current setup. Uh, Talked about the curtains around at the top that close off the upper seats. So if they, would, if they would open up the curtains on the top top floor, right? Yeah. How many people? That would be like another 30,000 or so, I think. And this, they're gonna have it in the games next week against, next week against Orlando, Orlando and uh, a few big games. Like I think the last game of the of the season against Toronto wow. will also be opened up, and that'll be full 70, 75,000 people. That and from the inside that we heard why they don't have it on this game is that they want to make the first game like more intimate, a little bit more loud. Yeah. And, and, and Which is the purpose of those curtains. I think it does a good job, especially with the indoor yes. roof over it. I mean, that really makes it uh, loud. It's awesome. Adds to the noise. It's awesome. Four to five thousand people came to this game. That's a lot of people. Quite a bit. You know. Yeah. It, it, when you read or when you watch football from Europe, you know that that's kind of average. Exactly. Yeah. You know that's kind of average, but it's not really average in the United States. No, not at all. I mean, it's average for Atlanta United. Yeah, that's right. That's what's amazing, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but no, everyone else. Not that it, I don't think it's bad attendance, but uh, Atlanta leads the way along with like some Seattle by some margin with forty five thousand or so. 
with everyone else maybe around. The league average, I think, is around 20,000, 21,000. See? Like that. It's almost a double, right? Exactly. And people are talking about, discussing, you know, that it will not keep up with this. It won't, yeah. you know, it will at one point be... All the, all the gloss and the shininess of the new team will wear out. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not really, you know, would, it's just speculations, you know what I mean? Yeah. But... You know, what I see is, like, the team is performing very well. They are... It's an exciting team to follow because they create so many chances. Martinez, right at the beginning, I think it's, like, in the fourth minute... Yeah. ...that Martinez gets the ball behind the defender's line. And with his second touch of the ball, he actually tries to round the keeper. Yeah. And the keeper, very classic, just goes at his legs, right? Like... You know, and to me, I think Martinez would score. Definitely. You know, he would score if he could stay on his feet. He could it score. Like but net. yeah, exactly. No, yeah. But the but the, the, the keeper really took him down and got a yellow card. So we're like Should celebrating. Yeah, we're like celebrating, mm. and uh, you know, we were happy that here's the penalty right from the beginning, right? Good start. <laughs> and I mean, it was Martinez that won the penalty. It's going to be Martinez to take it. Everyone knows that Martinez is a superhero and around these parts. Exactly. And to open a new stadium in this way, it's going to be perfect. Perfect. And so. we have that moment that we want to present to you right now. was a penalty I mean he called penalty he put the ball on the spot yeah and then he called it for offside when he's about to take a shot as you could hear that euphoria of opening the stadium the right way we're about to get an early penalty surely take the lead suddenly went down and we were all sitting there uh, everyone's standing there mm -hmm. like what's going on uh, the refs suddenly picked up the ball and blew his whistle a few times and, and started moving away and then the goalkeeper was talking and the Land United players were talking to the ref no one seemed to know exactly what happened and the ref gave, put the ball down 
for I think offside or so. Yeah. And <laughs> we suddenly went from having a penalty and what he gave a yellow card for the keeper, but it should have been a red. But an early penalty that would have surely been put away to an offside and free kick to the other team. Uh, <laughs> I wonder how it sounded on TV. Me too, me too. Let's take a listen to hear how it sounded on the broadcast. All right, let's do it. Good work by Garza to win it back. Assad Martinez is inside of Hedges. Martinez gets there in front of Gonzalez. Pedaling for Atlanta. Perfect start for them. What color is this going to be? Just a yellow for Jesse Gonzalez. I'm not sure how much of the ball, but there was also a defender nearby. Gonzalez has conceded twice on the four penalties he's taken. Part of this as well, you see the hand of the year is taking a look at it. Under video review, our video assistant referee today, Robert Sabiga, familiar face as a referee, and they can change this decision. And they have, in fact, going to rule it the other way. And that's the point of video review, and a Dallas team which felt hard done by early in this winless stretch. Twice they had goals taken off the board, including a would-be winner against Colorado. Now video review has worked good for them. But if they're playing with the ball out here, they're going to have to say it was offside. Well, we did see Mark Geiger. That is a penalty, but if they're playing the ball out here, it's for offside. That was an offside decision then. Don't jinx it. It happened immediately, dude. You like, you like, don't jinx. I was like, don't jinx it. You just turned around. <laughs> so this was my first, I guess, actual live experience witnessing VAR at mm. work. Yeah, we've talked about it a few times. Yeah, um, we've talked about how it can still be very confusing for fans it has benefits but it's very confusing for fans and players and we've mentioned how fans sitting in the stadium they may i think sometimes the announcers will announce once the refs use var but fans sitting in the stadium will be like we were ultimately really confused once all of a sudden the ref stops play or goes to the to the screen or whatever yeah. in this case he didn't even go to the screen he i didn't. think it was wasn't it the linesman went to the screen and told the ref yeah, uh, the ref stayed where he was in the field. Exactly. Um, so yes, I mean we were up there, dude. Like uh, basically happy that we're gonna get this penalty and maybe even a goal, right? Yeah. And uh, we actually felt this frustration that VAR can create, you yeah. know. And uh, look, man, I think I think it's um, wrong, you know. Yeah. Like now, people are gonna say like. Hey, Oz, man, it was the right call. It was offside. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. But I think it was a game before this that two, like almost two goals were like canceled because of the same issue. Some, you know what I mean? Because they used VR, you know? Yeah. And, and it, it disrupts too much of important actions in the game. Like the flow, the justice and injustice sometimes what makes the soccer the excitement it is you know yeah and now we're always going to be like oh what, 
was it was it right correct was it wrong and do VOR now you didn't do it like we're gonna have this conversation like the rest of our lives because they just try to make it more like you know I, I get it like gold scoring I get it if it will be like you know like the gold score technology right you know I, mean, I get that like goal line technology exactly yeah. goal line but this time is like Come on, man! Like you're gonna get in every time there is something going on. That's what take back a penalty in a yellow card. You know, it's, uh, that's what uh, it's, it's bad on you, ref. Not <laughs> literally, it's bad on you that you didn't call it. You know what I mean? It looks so bad on you. You just tried to save your ass by doing this. But I mean, that's what they want. Yeah, because refs make mistakes as they always do. So this uh, helps. But, but 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 how hard are we? Are we too hard? Like, are we really hard on them? Like, I'm going to be hard now. Yeah, I think you we are. suck that you didn't make that call. <laughs> right call, you know? like. I mean, uh, yeah, I think we are hard on them. But sometimes rightly so, sometimes not. The only thing is uh, that with VAR, I'm never really sure about a call anymore. Ultimately, I'm still on the, <laughs> I'm still on the fence. <laughs> yeah, dude. On, uh, if it's good enough, like, but I mean... like, is it going back? Wait, wait, wait. wait yeah, exactly. To... I don't know. Like, okay. I, now we have to wait for him to <laughs> blow the whistle to shoot the penalty, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but regardless of all this, this happened really early in the game. Yeah. It Luckily, it did not deter Atlanta's momentum. Yeah, and didn't. just like 10 minutes or so later, the swift in ball from Amaron flicked on by Tito Vialba. And Leandro Gonzalez Perez was at the back post to tuck it away, one nil to Atlanta, and uh, they kept that going into yeah. halftime all the way. Yeah, uh, so pretty good first half with a lot of chances, and then at halftime we were able to go out, enjoy those short lines oh. to the bathroom and to food. Yeah, and uh, and uh, get ready for the second half. You know, this is what I see. I see that a future stadium. That you would like when you're a kid, you or you know, like when you're a kid, you dream about like how a future stadium will look like. Mm. You know, a lot of technology. You know, a lot of cool features, nice design, involved like you know, latest infrastructure, field, and kind of why you to create the best fan experience. Like the future of soccer is like here now mm. you know what i mean it's like almost like when you watch when you watch steve jobs presentation for the first iphone you realize then that you know this is going to be massive and take over and everybody's gonna have it and if you don't have it it's gonna be like dude what age are you in yeah. you know what i mean uh, yeah. and, but but this stadium has so much because the screen is having showing like tweets you have like small paragraph of players information or stats or you know different information basically that keeps you as a fan interacted with what's going on mm. you know and uh, the lines are basically not too long and you really like when you come in here feel like okay this is entertainment yeah you know this is and it's to be honest man well. yeah and yeah. to be honest i had really really fun going to this game with you man it was fun i agree you know it was fun and uh, 
this is where soccer is going, isn't it? Like, yeah. even though the team might not do super well, I still feel like it's nice to go to the stadium to experience all of this. Yeah, I like what you said, and I saw. I like what you said, and I saw you posted something on Instagram. I did on our uh, account. I was catching Kenya, <laughs> where you you basically said what you went through, what you just said right now. Yeah. Which this is going to be the future. This is the modern stadium. They're just even the look, in addition to the feel and the the entertainment value or the lack of long lines or whatnot. Just the look of the stadium yeah. is just completely different from how you look at old old football stadiums, old yeah. soccer stadiums, old baseball stadiums. Yeah. Um, and that is whether we like it or not, because you know there are some people. Take your your phone analogy. Some people that. Like my dad, mm-hmm. who <laughs> still <laughs> just can't. I mean, it's not like he, he uses cell phones, but very, very rarely. And he doesn't have anything anywhere near as high tech as an yeah. iPhone, even the yeah. first iPhone. Yeah. Uh, he just can't get around to comprehending it, comprehending this new age. So whether we like it or not, this is the new feel of stadiums, the new age of stadiums and I guess along with that comes the new age of soccer. Especially for a country that soccer is in high level relatively new. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would I understand if it was a Charlton Athletics mm-hmm. fan that would come here, you know, and he'd been cheering for Charlton for like 30, 40 years. Yeah. And seen some really like low level um, stadiums yeah. around the UK. You know, mm. um, to come to something like this is almost like you're going from your local amusement park to Disney World. You know, what I mean? yeah. <laughs> it's like it's, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like just going from a regular park to uh, yeah, yeah. To, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's just amazing, and <laughs> and and we just have the glimpses of what the future can bring, and it is business end of the day. You know what I mean? It it is uh, bringing in fans or bringing in people that might not even be fans. Yeah. You know, it's an attraction True. in that way, and uh, they do it in a really good way. And uh, who really does it good is us fans. They really does it good. You know, we really into it. We are active. We are uh, doing our part, and we're really, really loving this growth that MLS has yeah and Atlanta United has and, and soccer has and soccer has in US that's right and it really helps it makes it easy for us fans once you have such a exciting dynamic team that is able to open up a new home stadium with a comprehensive dominant 3 nothing win over a difficult opponent so that just adds to the entertainment. That just adds to the to the appeal. Adds to everything. And after the game, we wanted to get the opinions because it was a new stadium. I mean, we sat there for a long time, Kerry. Yeah. <laughs> we sat there until like this guy came and said, "Hey, guys, the game is over, man." We were just like sitting there, and the entire stadium was kind of got like empty, didn't it? Yeah. 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 Just stay Seats are comfortable, man. <laughs> well, yeah. So, yeah. So as we left, as before, right before we left, uh, 
standing outside of our seats. We we wanted to get the opinions of other fans, other fans, see what they thought of the new stadium, of the team, of the atmosphere, and generally of what soccer in Atlanta, I guess, sort of means to them. Um, and so we ran into two guys. We were lucky. We just we just stood out there as people walked by and just picked two guys that we thought looked smart, handsome. Yeah, and uh, we're not. We're definitely Atlanta United fans yeah. based on what they had on them, right? That's right. That's right. And look well, well knowledgeable and, and everything. Yeah. And they were a good example. These two guys, they were a good example of what soccer can do to a community, and ultimately what soccer is all about. They look like knowledgeable, good fans. I mean, Atlanta, Atlanta United t-shirt, scarf, hat, the hat the flags. I mean, this is amazing, right? So we're right at the spot. Guys, tell me your names. Daniel Forte. Justin Gilbert. All right, man. Daniel and Justin. All right, you guys are founding members of Atlanta United? Yes. All right, yes. dude. Tell me, tell me about today, man. What did you do when you woke up today? And how did you, how did you start, like, your partying all the way to the game? Honestly, the whole the whole day was like something out of a dream. Yeah. Until I had to go to the bathroom, <laughs> and the bathrooms are this clusterfuck of people. This, like people coming from every section. Yeah. And you you couldn't you. It takes a half hour to go to the bathroom. Yeah. As, as men. As okay. men. Okay. You go to any other ba- you go to any other they stadium. They have TVs. They have TVs, right? No. I don't care about the TVs. <laughs> I want to take a piss and get back to the stadium. Yeah, That's what watch I want again. Yeah. But as after besides that, yeah. everything else was amazing. Nice. The staff, the the, the concourses, the field, the 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 the. the, 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 the video board. Yeah, yeah. That's different, it's, man. It, it's all amazing. But, totally. But there's definitely a lot of kinks that the staff has to work out. Have you been to? Have you been going to a lot of Atlanta United games this yeah. season? It's been my second one for the season. Really? Yeah. Which one was the first one? Do you remember? The, the Colorado oh, Rapids. Rapids. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, what did you think about before you came here? How did this? Did it exceed your expectations? Or ah, uh, the stadium is worth it, man. It's yeah. worth it. The first one, of course, I went to would have been at uh, Georgia Tech. Yeah. Good stadium, fun, but this one's a whole different atmosphere. Better experience, much better. I, I mean, a lot of people are, are afraid of once the the difference of the atmosphere between Bobby Dodd and right, and I was as well. And uh, for the Benz, did you say that it was better or the same even? Or I would say it's better. I think it's got yeah. more 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 things to attract you to it. More things to really just get you excited, pumped. He was, he was shaking his head, man. I think it's about the same. I mean, when you go to Bobby Dodd, yeah. you had the soccer game, and that was it. Yeah. Everybody there focused on the game and the game only. When you come here, there's the game, there's restaurants, there's bars, there's video games, all sorts of stuff. Like, I also saw like all the kinds of tweets, you know, I mean, like, they show yeah. all the tweets on the screen and stuff like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I mean, it, I think it's a really good atmosphere for the fans. Yeah. As far as the game goes, yeah. the actual play of the game, I think it might take away from the game a little bit. So you kind of get a little bit distracted, that's what I'm saying. You kind of exactly. look around a little bit more, wow. This all, is... the, all the restaurants, the bars, and the video games, they might get distracted just yeah. a, a little bit. From yeah. One thing I have to say is, one of the biggest fears I had was coming to the Benz 
was at Bobby Dodd, everyone stood the entire time, right? Just with the benches, it, was, it felt natural to stand up. With the really nice seats, you almost feared that maybe people would sit down, it would take away from the atmosphere. At least where we were, it seemed like everyone was still standing up and, and still supporting the team and getting into the game. So that seems like a good a good transition that they keep that energy going for uh, Bobby Dodd, for Stems, uh, rather. So let me ask these questions. Like, have you been interested in soccer for a long time, or are you kind of recently into it? I've been in soccer since I was six years old. Six years old. Good. Wow. Good. Nice. Nice. I mean, we've been playing soccer our entire life. And are you from Atlanta? Connecticut. Connecticut. So let me ask you this. Like, this city. How long have you been in Atlanta? Eleven years. Eleven years. I'm, I'm glad you got. I know what you're about to say. Yes. I am. Hello, bread. Yeah. New York Giants. New York Yankees fan, but MLS is so new yeah. that nobody has really made their allegiance with a team yet. I'm not a Red Bulls fan. I'm not a City fan. Yeah. I'm not a Revolution fan because I'm yeah. from Connecticut. Right. I. This is my hometown as so, far as soccer goes. This is my team, and these are my boys. If there's an Atlanta, if there's a Falcons game going on, yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah. But if there's a United game going on, um, so I'm why do you think that is? Like, why did you become like a Yankees fan, a Giants fan, and why Atlanta United fan? Is it like uh, why do you think the reason is for you to cheer for a team? Because Major League Soccer is so new, yeah. they're only 20 years old. True. And they're just now starting their traditions and the, the way that they do things. And the fact that we get to be a part of that yeah. and start those new traditions and yeah. take what we love from other clubs, whether yeah. it's the Giants or the Yankees or the Braves or Atlanta is such a transplant town. There's fans yeah. from all over. Whatever they take, we take all the best parts of that and put it into Atlanta United. Yes. And that's what I think makes it so special. And that's why we all here in cheering, right? We love it. Guys, thank you for the interview. I appreciate it. And have the best, man. All right. Enjoy the win. What's your name? Oz. Oz. Atlanta United opening a new stadium was just one big game in the world of football. Mm -hmm. World football. Yeah. Uh, in Europe, a lot of the big teams played, or all of them played, <laughs> and, but with very mixed results. I mean, you had Manchester United drawing 2-2 with Stoke, Chelsea beating Leicester with Conte, I think, scoring the winning goal, I believe, against his old club, Real Madrid drawing at home to Levante, which is very strange, and Barcelona, who we thought were going to suffer, are top of the league with a dominant win over Espanyol. Also, of course, probably the craziest one was Manchester City's destruction of Liverpool. Erebro won against Malmö. That's a big one, too. Yeah. That's a big one, too. Um, but after the big game from last weekend, when Liverpool hammered Arsenal at yeah. Anfield, and, of course, there was more doom and gloom around Arsenal. There was talks of here we go again for another two years under Wenger. Um, again, wrong selection of, of, of players, not starting Lacazette or Kolasinac, uh, and ult Arsenal's ultimate inability to be able to even look like they can compete with another big team. This weekend, they, as we, I'm sure a lot of people expected, Arsenal to bounce back with a win over Bournemouth, who are struggling at the moment, and convincing 3-0 win. Yeah. There are something out there called, like, ground hopping. Yeah. Which is, like, you can go to different stadiums around the world, and you can tick, tick them off, basically. Okay, I've been to 
Emirates, I've been to San Siro, you know what I mean? You can yeah. kick them off. And there's this guy, his name is Pierre Hertin. He is actually doing this and he has this app and he goes to so many different stadiums around the world and uh, tick them off. And he was actually at the Atlanta United game this weekend and he is a massive Arsenal supporter. Even bigger than I am now. I'm, after l- listening to him, I feel like I dwarf in comparison <laughs> I to mean, him. In and out of his is like Arsenal fan. I mean, you will hear the story because we talked to him. But I mean, this is a guy that I've been to... 113 Arsenal games, and he's yeah. from Sweden, and not yeah. even from like that's North the, London or, exactly. or UK. He's been to so many Arsenal games and put in his time, his energy, his uh, money, and just to you know follow th- this team that gives him so much joy and the opposite emotion as well. Mm. And we went to Westin Hotel in Atlanta to meet with Pierre to talk to him about this ground hopping that he does, how he started to follow Arsenal, how many games, which game he remembers, and kind of give us a couple of stories that that he has from his passion to follow soccer and the soccer team. This guy knows Arsenal in and out, through and through, and it was a real pleasure to talk with him, a real pleasure for these two Arsenal fans, yeah, to talk with Pierre, a fellow fan, and really get his uh, perspectives and hear his story from the different stadiums, from different Arsenal situations. And it was really nice, man, to have another guy from Erebro in Atlanta (laughs) talk about soccer and Arsenal, of course. I mean, man, I figured Erebro was supposed to be a relatively small city, but I keep hearing more more and more people from Uh, Erebro. You, DR, obviously. Uh, Pierre. Yes. Uh, one. You one. We are many, man. <laughs> we are many. We're taking over. We're taking over. Here is the interview with Pierre. And thank you for listening to the fifth episode of the second season of the Oscotch and King Soccer Podcast Show. You know, I've been to some Arsenal games, right? And... The first Arsenal game I went to was with my twin brother, DR. We went to Fenerbahce Arsenal in Istanbul. And it mainly it was like a small section of for Arsenal fans, away fans that came. But they actually traveled. So me and DR was discussing like, dude... All the way to Istanbul. All the way to Istanbul yeah. from London, right? Yeah. All the way to Istanbul from... London and you know they actually take their time they pay the money and they go and support it and Arsenal won that game 5-2 to two. and me and Dio was like we're both Fenerbahce fans and we are Arsenal fans so regardless we were happy you know what I mean but it, it, you know it kind of grew a seed on us we wanted to go to Arsenal games um, but we've been to few yeah. but there are people like Pierre He's here with us, Pierre Hertin. Yes, that's me. That's him, man. Kerry, that's him, right? Yes. That 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 is going to stadiums like almost like a hobby, but it's more like a passion. Dedication, dedication. Big time, right? Hey, tell me about this app that you talked about. Yeah, um, I have a main interest in life that outside of supporting Arsenal is yeah. to visit as many football grounds as possible. And a few years back, I discovered this 
app called Groundhopper where you can register every ground that you've been to all over the world. You have friends that you can connect with over there and you can see how many grounds they've been to, what they have in common and yeah, it just grew nice. on me. Nice. So how many stadiums have you been to? Uh, so yeah, I ticked off uh, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium today in yes. Atlanta here. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's probably the around the 120th stadium I have on the app. And do you think you could say a favorite stadium? It's hard to say. Like so many stadiums today are becoming very modernized and it's all about the yeah. money and business. Like Mercedes-Benz Stadium here in Atlanta is one of them and yeah. it's an incredible yeah, so stadium. Good atmosphere as well. Different from like yeah. a Stanford Bridge or old yeah, or like, like that. Old, this you can't really compare today's stadiums that are like all about the business and right. corporate compared yeah. to the old old school stadiums in England. Like Which the, one is the oldest though? Like you remember on like you've been to? Um, like one of the oldest ones. Not sure. Kings Mid or where um, Wimbledon are playing are probably one of the oldest uh -huh. I've been to. It's a very small old ground. But that sounds like a real classic yeah, British pro proper, team, proper English. But <laughs> yeah. I, I really enjoy that. Like People are standing with a pie and mash at half time and <laughs> you see these old people, they've been there for 90 years or something, going to every yeah, game. It's, wow, it's the same passion as any other team, but it's there's no business around it. It's just passion and that's very special that not many people appreciate so I have a little bit hard time to be honest with this like it goes more and more towards a business mindset it's about like profit models and how you can make more money right and it's marketing it's promotions and I feel like it's moving away from the fans more and more you know what I mean yeah. and what about when you go to those stadiums? You see, like, is it more like an intimate connection with the fans? Yeah, I would definitely say, like, if you take England as an example, yeah. if you go lower, the lower leagues that you go to, yeah. it's more the fans' game still. It's uh -huh. They're more connected with the club. Uh -huh. I, I talk a lot about this with some Arsenal supporters, and that, that's been going for, say, 70-odd years, 50, over 50 years yeah. before we moved to the Emirates. Yeah. And... Uh, they, they say like the club has taken the soul away from the club uh, and it's they have to accept it now yeah. it's so different going to high from when we went to hybrid yeah. now to the Emirates but I don't know it's it's just what it is today yeah. unfortunately because Emirates is still it's been here for a little while now but it's still relatively new it's only what, a little more than 10 years old or so so you still have a lot of Arsenal supporters that grew up with Highbury and are still, I guess, going through that transition phase to the Emirates. So it's still tough for them to get, I guess, used to to the new atmosphere and the new, you know, the aura around the Emirates. I yeah, suppose. it's many factors that goes in with that. But one major thing also is that we haven't won the league title yeah, since yeah. we moved yeah. to the Emirates. So it's not yeah, really right. tradition. We won a few FA Cups, so we yeah. we have got more tradition at Wembley, but we haven't won anything at the Emirates yet. So I think that's a major. <laughs> impact but also like it was very good that we could stay in the area around like it's only a 10 minute walk from Highbury so it's good so everyone can still go to the same pub they were going to before but it's one thing is that as it's 
a bigger stadium, more tourists are able to get tickets. When we were at Highbury, it was hard to get, to get tickets for tourists. It's not as many people could go to the games, and that is one of the main reasons why the atmosphere at home games are normally not very good. I'm curious, I, sorry, yeah, Austin, yeah, no, I'm no. curious just... Uh, I know that I think the club anticipated some sort of transition sort of period from Highbury to the Emirates, and they tried to mitigate that some with adding the big clock, the famous clock, right, yeah, on the yeah. clock end and such. Do you think that helps at all, or does it still feel sort of artificial? No, it definitely helps. They did more stuff like name the stands, like North Band, yeah, Clock yeah. End, West Stand, East Stand. Um, also, yeah, adding the clock end, the actual clock. And outside the stadium, you see like the, the legends, the legends are on the wall yeah, yeah. and uh, the, the statues, Tony Adams statues and his Herkamp yeah. statues Henry uh, statues like, yeah, yeah Herbert Chapman yeah. Ken Fryer Bridge yeah. so yeah it definitely helps yeah. but I still think we have a long way to go and it's tough because like like you said we saw Mercedes-Benz today it's the first time it was like a soccer game right yeah. and it's still pretty intimate it's not this like camp new that is massive you know what I mean right. it's still intimate which gives a, a little bit I would say like a better atmosphere Emirates is built like big inside you know what I mean yeah. there's like uh, there's a lot of space there's yeah. a lot of space you know and compared um, to Highbury it's hidden like it's not a major distance change but the distance from the actual pitch to yeah. the first few seats it's quite a bit longer than it was at Highbury so that definitely decreases the atmosphere so uh, let's talk about this app quickly again yeah. so what are the stadiums that you want to go to that you haven't been to um, I want to they talk always in England they talk about doing the 92 so it's every stadium from the Hall of Premiership Championship yeah. League 1 and League 2 oh, yeah. and I think right now probably done a third out of them maybe yeah. so I still have like oh. 62 something to go but I'm only 22 years so I've got, <laughs> I've got some time he's 22 and he went to so many man but I mean it's incredible to be honest man like I'm, now we're talking to you I'm a little bit jealous like because uh, we we do this podcast to fans from fans and it, all kinds of levels you know what I mean not just the Premier League or La Liga or Serie A but you're talking about like League One, you know what I mean? League One, like that's that's almost like the not the business side of it, it's the core part of it. You yeah. know what I mean? So, do you do you get like different feeling for like different levels? You know what I mean? If you would go to like a Premier League, let's say you went to I don't know, let's say uh, West Ham, Arsenal, your away section, is it different from going to like a Charlton Millwall game? Because I bet it's different, but like, can you explain the differences a little bit? In atmosphere, or, atmosphere, yeah. and like just walking to the stadium or just yeah. the surroundings. I, I think even the stadium, of, even like the stadium itself, yeah. the stadiums themselves or the stands themselves. Yeah, because all the stadiums in the Premiership have come in more corporate, and yeah. it's also been more security built around it. So everyone knows, like back in the 1760s, yeah. <laughs> The trouble around English football games yeah. is really bad, and nowadays you don't you don't see much trouble. We always have trouble when when we play Tottenham. There's always trouble because because of the rivalry, and we we just hate each other. But there's never like it's 
very rarely that you see trouble. The most trouble lately has been between Arsenal fans themselves because of their yeah. Wayne Green and Wayne Grau. Yeah. But uh, that's probably the major difference. Like if you go down to Championship and League One, there's not as much security around the game. Mm -hmm. So there's still some fights that kicks off. Like hooligans, but, that type of... Uh, yeah, hooligans uh, still yeah. active around those kinds of clubs. Like yeah. Millwall, as you mentioned, Leeds. You do you remember a game where you were kind of afraid? I'm not never really afraid, yeah. but I know I've been to games where there's been trouble. Like when we go away to Tottenham, there's always trouble, and yeah. like, but I'm I'm never really afraid. I I kind of like it though when it's more like a rivalry atmosphere because yeah. it's dying out. I I still want the rivalry to yeah, be totally. active, and because yes. we still have the passionate hate against Tottenham. And yeah. Like it's uh. part, it's part of the it's part of the game. Yeah. Uh, so you've been an Arsenal fan for a long time. What would you say, being from Sweden? Where from Sweden are you? Uh, from Örebro, Sweden. Same. Another Örebro man. <laughs> so what got you into Arsenal? What is it about Arsenal that? Um, yeah, so my dad started following the club in 1971 when they won the double, yes. won the FA Cup. Bertie and, Me as head coach. And yeah. There. Uh, so when I was born in 1995, Dad basically got me into it. Uh, the day after I was born, we played Ipswich away, and my dad got the game on in my room in the hospital. <laughs> so we won, we won two 0 away to Ipswich. Been watching dad... Arsenal since a day old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Dad took me to my first game in 2007, and since then it's just been growing. Remember the game? Sorry? Do you remember what the game was? Yeah, we played Sunderland at home, won 3-2. Nice. 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 And how many games have you been to now? You've told us uh, a couple times. I've been uh, 113 games now with Man, Arsenal. Man, 113 Arsenal games. I, like, I want you to just take it, this. Take this in, guys. 113 <laughs> Arsenal games. And you're not even from London. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you, you, you throughout your entire, like, what? When you were teenage, right up yeah. to like 22 now, you've been going to so many games. How do you plan it? Like, do you, do you, is like how does it go ahead? Like when you plan it to go to a trip, or is it just like you know what I want to go to this game, I go it, or how how no, does that process work, man? Well, every year it starts with a fixture being released yeah. in July, and it's like Christmas Eve for me. Like when it's <laughs> released, you start looking at flights, you start yeah. looking at travels for, for every game and I'm today I mainly love to go to the away games like go to the new stadiums with Arsenal so I normally check yeah. what away games when they are um, but yeah not also I've been living in England twice so okay. that's during those periods I went to every home and away game during the period so that that's why I got quite a few games by now but even when I was in high school in Sweden I traveled over to England once a month so then I had to plan with flights, where I was going to stay, tickets, everything. It's Do you have a group of friends over there that you meet up? Yeah, yeah, I always go to the same pub. I always drink in the George before home games. Okay. So I got quite a good group, both older and younger people that I always go to the games with. And over the years, I got to know more people. And you, when you go to away games, you start to recognize faces and they True, recognize yeah. you and you start talking in the pub and yeah. build a friendship. And that's one of the major things what I love with the club 
correct me if I'm wrong, because I remember DR and David, he's on also sometimes on the podcast. Oval. Oval, yeah, Oval, yeah, Oval. yeah, yeah. As, a, really as, our, as our correspondent, you know what yeah. I mean? We've been to many trips together, all three of us, yeah. so sometimes we talk about the old games, but you lived in London, right? Yes. And you worked at a Puma, Puma store, yes. and you actually met Bellerin, and you have like something with Andre. Yeah. I don't know the entire story, so I can go ahead and ask you right now. Like, yeah, what's so the... I'm gonna try and make the story short. But like yeah. when I graduated high school in Sweden, I had a gap year before I went to America to start college. Yeah. Um, so I moved to London. I had nowhere to live, no job. So it was a gamble. But I just I printed out 50 CVs and went around the whole of London and gave out my profile and then yeah. my dream job was to get out work at Puma yeah. and I did and uh, after the first day I the boss got me in charge of the Arsenal area of Puma work because <laughs> it was the first year with Arsenal being the Puma right. sponsor yeah. um, so I was always in charge of selling Arsenal gear and because Arsenal had quite a few Puma players yeah. that they sponsored um, they always come into the store to get some free stuff so I was served, during the time at Puma, I served Bellerin, Nacho Monreal, Thierry Henry, Robert Pires. <laughs> so you had the chance to talk to them? Yeah, I served them in the store getting clothes and shoes and they came in with their wife and kids and just getting stuff for Christmas. Bellerin is very down to earth, right? He's very cool. Yeah, he's, and his whole family came in and it's a special story like he came in just before Christmas so the store was really busy and I had to yeah. serve him and some other people at the same time so he felt a bit bad yeah. so after the whole his shopping process was done yeah. he came up to me asked for my number uh, so he's like can I get your number I was like yeah, <laughs> of course you can have my number so then he, he texted me and he said just text me on Saturday when we play Stoke at home text me where you sit and after the game, I'll come up and give you my shirt. No, no fucking way. So after the game, uh, him, Ozil, Mertesacker, and uh, Nacho was walking around the pitch yeah. and just applauding the fans. And normally they don't give out their shirts at home games. They start. Ozil's been doing it lately, but yeah. they don't really do it much. And then uh, Bellerin saw me in the crowd and went out, gave me his shirt and then <laughs> For real? Off. Oh my god. Yeah. Shit. That's oh like god. a dream coming true almost like a play coming out and giving you the shirt. Man. I mean per Anna, personally, like tell yeah. me your seat, I'll give you your shirt. That's that's amazing. I have to ask, since you're here, uh, what do you think of the current situation? I mean you yeah. touched on it for I like how you said it. There's more fighting between the club now, between fans of the club now than there is with other clubs. Bring in, bring out. You don't necessarily have to say which, but what do you make of the situation right now? Uh, my state of the situation is very clear. Like I've wanted Wenger out for probably over five years now, mm. and I Good can't see. Yeah, <laughs> I can't see him bringing the club back to success where it was before. He when he first came in, he was a revolution for Arsenal, a revolution for English football. Yeah, totally. And game. Yeah. we we all respect that, but he's now putting himself in a situation where he really where fans really grew hate on him like yeah. they're all fans actually starting to hate yeah, it's and like it's it is sad because yeah. he's done remarkable stuff with the club but 
yeah, with him signing a new year contract, I thought it was totally catastrophic for the club. Yeah, I don't, I didn't understand that at all, to be honest, man. Like, I felt like this is enough. It's so much, like you said, dislike against him, and I don't see him being the man to recoup all of this and make like a good flow. The players doesn't. I don't care if the players doesn't play for the coach, you know what I mean? As long as they can play for themselves and for the club, that's the most important. But you need to have that support to the manager, so and the manager needs to give that energy, which we never we don't see it. Even even like yesterday when they won against Bournemouth, we don't really see Wenger being that active or applauding or anything like that, you know? And my issue is like not just this transfer deal, it's just that, you know, Ozil hasn't extended his contract, Alexis Sanchez hasn't done it, and it's like the key players that we even might lose, you know, is actually in that kind of plan you have, whatever, it's like this year you're supposed to make it. If you don't make it this year and these players leave, then we like, I don't know, like we have to start all over again, you know what I mean? And uh, it's crazy that a club like Arsenal have put themselves into this situation. I mean, That's the, what I don't understand. I mean, a club like Arsenal, we've, talked, we've touched on it before on the show, a club like Arsenal is supposed to be one of the historic clubs of Europe, really. It's always supposed to be, not necessarily win every year, but competing every year. Always, even if they have a bad year, you think, okay, they have one bad year, but next season they're going to, they're going to be ambitious, they're going to challenge for the title, they're going to get it right. But... You see that now with Liverpool. You see it with Tottenham. You see it with Manchester City. Even Everton. I've Everton, said. yeah. Everton yeah, yeah. seems Even so West Ham is doing stuff. Much more ambition I mean? than Arsenal. Yeah. Manchester United is doing so well. But Arsenal are just... If they're not staying the same, every year they're going down. And they're very kind, too. You know what I mean? They, there's never like a rumor like, Arsenal want to have this player. You know what I mean? Like, United is like... Oh, we're going to have Lukaku, we're going to have this, we're going to have that player, and then end up play, buying one. Arsenal never really goes out like, hey, we want a Lamar. You know what I mean? It's not really, they're not, they don't, they're not as bold, you know what I mean? And people in London, they go to the games, they have all the right, you know, because they're in it. We're like living in Atlanta, we're following every week, and we can have opinions, but it's hard for us to express the exact feelings because we don't actually go to the game and we don't see all the losses or, or the draws or all the bullshit that happens you know what I mean but you've been to a lot of games you know what I mean so you've been to more than maybe most Arsenal fans in London so how, how let's say from the year from when we came to the Champions League final to now like has it been for you like Increased disappointment after disappointment after disappointment, and now it's like, come on, man, does it come to that line for you? Yeah, I think it didn't. Like, it's obviously been growing on me since yeah. the Champions League final. Well, that's 11 years from exactly. now. Uh, but of course, it's been growing on everyone, and yeah. I think I wanted him out for say over five years, maybe. What was uh, it? What made it? Like, when did you realize that? I support, realize I support him for a long time because yeah. obviously I haven't seen anything else. Wenger has been the manager for the yeah. club since <laughs> I was yes. one years old. So <laughs> I don't really know much else. But it's obviously, as you were talking about, that 
Arsenal, we've been a powerful club in Europe yeah. and the best club in England for a long time. Like, what is it now? 13 years ago yeah. with the Invincibles. Yeah. Like, it's the best any club in England has ever been. And I don't know, it's just like you can't even compare the team and the club today yeah. from where we were back then. But uh, and Bengri is definitely not the right man to bring us back to that level. And I think last year, when we didn't even, even make it to the Champions League for this year, it just sums it up. Any, maybe tough, just any, out of curiosity, any idea of who you want to replace Bengri? It's a tough question. Everyone yeah. asked me. Like a few years ago, I said Klopp, mm-hmm. and then he went to Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year I was always talking about Ranieri, but he uh-huh. extended his contract with Juventus. Um, Allegri, so I, Allegri. Allegri, yeah, sorry, yeah, yes. Allegri, I meant Massimo Allegri. He extended, yeah, yeah. he extended it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a shame. Yeah. But yeah. at the moment I just feel a shame. It could be anyone. Yeah. Like, yeah. We, just, we just need a change. Who's available? Uh, Tuchel. Tuchel? Yeah, Tuchel. Tuchel is Tuchel. Yeah, Tuchel, yeah. I believe he's available, yeah. He's not a Dortmund anymore. Diego Simeone is my dream but he just signed a two year extension with Atletico yeah uh, so I don't know but I agree with you I mean just as much as I respect Wenger for what he's done in the past just any sort of change even I may be crazy for saying this but even like a bad change is at least some sort of change and we can then build off of that sometimes at the moment it feels like it can't get worse right any change and I think many people within the club wants to see a change right. as well. I mean, Manchester United had, who did they start with? David Moyes and Louis van Gaal, so it's like three or four years yeah. of them being nothing after Alex Ferguson, only to now get Mourinho, and now they look like the one of the strongest teams in England after the first three or four games. What needs to be done, man, is like a campaign, you know what I mean? It needs to be a campaign where they say, let's say the, 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 the title is like, fulfill the promise. You know what I mean? Well, there has been, like, over the last season, there was many protests going about. I went Big to every time, yeah. protest that was organised in the yeah. spring. It was protest march before every home game, going from Highbury to the Emirates. doesn't work, though, man. Is it not it loud work, enough? And, and I mean, it is loud. I, I'm sure, man, these people know here and, like, you know, Arsenal fan TV and everything. They know it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the owners know it. They cannot live in that kind of illusion that everything is fine that's impossible man. That, uh, one of the shames was that many of these protests weren't big enough it was only up yeah. to around 1,000, 2,000 people yeah. and like then the club too. and we walked up to the director's entrance of the Emirates and people see it, it's not massive like they, they think it's yeah, it's 2,000 out of the 58 then the rest of 58,000 in the ground so what yeah. do you think, how is the reality though you think the majority wants a change. Yeah, definitely. And when you're out. Yeah. Yeah. And as we started this season really bad, like the bad loss away to Liverpool. Yeah. I, and over the last season, I, I would say it was seventy to eighty percent in favour of Wenger out. Maybe eighty to twenty. Yeah. And it it's definitely amount, and right? yeah. yeah. And after the start of this season, yeah, I think it's been growing even more. I mean, like I said, I think. You just need some sort of change, even a bad change. Even the clubs like I'd said Manchester United, Chelsea seem to they, they win the league, then they're tenth, then they win the league, then I mean who knows. They always up and down where Arsenal is just staying right here. 
They're just staying right here yeah. doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. So some sort of change. Wenger is clearly just, for whatever reason, why do you think he's lost it? He's just so, so he used to be so, so convincing or so successful. Now it just seems like stubbornness, and yeah. he's just sort of lost lost the plot. He can't get Sanchez to to be happy at the yeah. club. There's still questions around Ozil, and Oxley Chamberlain wasn't happy, and so he's left. Yeah, so. it's lost uh, many things like tactical. You see, the many weird tactical changes during games and tacticals before the Liverpool game. It was absolutely atrocious. Yeah. Like, we went into that game like, with the tactical yeah, like not starting and like the selection or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and the selection. Yeah, yeah it's team selections. Everyone, there's many things everyone can see that he should be signed. We need yeah. to sign that kind of player. Yeah. But we never do it. Fenger seems to be the only man that sees other stuff and it's yeah. never successful. It's like it's becoming even more difficult for people to support him because yeah. he just. We don't understand. He makes it easy yeah. for people to go against him because yeah. he makes such obvious mistakes yeah. all the time. What about this game? against Bournemouth, what did you think about the game? Uh, yeah, we played really well yesterday, yeah. like, definitely bounced back from the Liverpool game and good to see many people in good form after an international break, so yeah. definitely good to take back, but it's just... The thing is, Arsenal do that a lot. Yeah. They'll get hammered by Liverpool or Chelsea or someone and then they will bounce back against yes. a club like Bournemouth, so do you think there's any any reason to hope that this Bournemouth isn't just this Bournemouth game isn't just another typical illusion from Arsenal that really we really can go on to to make something out of this win or make something out of the season? I guess we'll see. Next week we got well first we got Cologne at home on Thursday, Thursday but then yeah. we got Chelsea away on Sunday, which I think could be a massive like okay. that'll tell what, it, yeah, uh, exactly. where where we are standing is, and I, I'm not really looking forward to this game because I, I can't see us get anything out of it. I mean, from the Bournemouth game, man, I, I was after the game I was optimistic, but we've been there so many times before, you know. But like uh, tactically, when you watch the game, you saw like Özil, Welbeck, like I said, they all were like switching positions. You know, what I mean, they didn't keep their positions. Sometimes uh, Özil was on the right, like I said, on the left, and Welbeck was on the top. So it was like a lot of different options throughout the game that will make the defenders like not get used to you, you know what I mean? And even the even the defenders seem like, okay, the ball is on the right side, Koscielny goes out, Mustafi goes out, uh, Monreal in and Kolesinac becomes a defender. Like it somehow felt like, all right, this is how we want to play. You know what I mean? This is what we want, This you know, they played quick passes every time they used check a lot dynamic like, dynamic fast quick it was beautiful to watch they they backed down they came back to the first, their own half and they attacked quickly a lot of long balls but this is the way to play but the truth is it was against Bournemouth yeah. it's like you said let's see what happens against Chelsea then we can talk about it or let's see what happens over the season you know now I want to end this with two things from you Pierre one just of the what you've seen from the season so far, the Premier League season so far. Do you have a favorite to win the title, favorite for the top four? What do you think? He won't say anything other than Arsenal, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, Whatever gets Finger fired quicker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love to see that yesterday. Um, my favorite for a title, I don't know, City is looking strong. 
Um, both the, matches the, the clubs, yeah, both matches the club. So I think <coughs> could be a competition between United and City. Both made some great signings and started off the season really well. Mm. And do you think Arsenal can get back into the top four? I know we've been saying uh, that a lot, but uh, I don't know. I, I'm. But the way yes, we've been, man. let's say yes. <laughs> I really can't see how. Maybe our chance to get into the Champions League by winning the Europa League this year. True. But I really yeah, can't that's see us getting. I was going to ask yeah. you actually is what do you think of the Europa League and uh, what do you think of Arsenal's chances in the Europa League? Yeah. I think we've got good chances actually and got a good draw in the group. I mean, I'm just United I'm, could win it last year. I yeah. Mean, and then I think Arsenal could. And win it. I'm not that disappointed that we are in the Europa Me League. Neither. I'm more. I'm more disappointed of being in the States when we had the Europa League because there's some great trips in the mm, Europa yeah. League with new stadiums in yeah, some yeah. very <laughs> dodgy places where no one really wants to go. But More stadiums I to check off on the groundhopper. Yeah, <laughs> haven't been to Cologne, haven't been to Belarus, mm. haven't been to Croatia, so... You've been to Turkey? No, I've been to Turkey but not to watch football. Not to watch no. football? It's different, man. Yeah. It's different, it's different. <laughs> um, and the last thing, because we do love Arsenal, and as doom and gloom as it has been the past few years, the club obviously has had some fantastic moments. What would you say is a favorite moment for Arsenal that either you've been to or just Yeah, I have got this question a few weeks back as well, um, and it's quite a good story. Uh, when I was like, when people started drinking alcohol, like when you were 14, 15, yeah. I said, I won't taste alcohol until Arsenal win the next trophy. So that was probably around 2010, 2000, yeah, 2010 something. Yeah. And um, then my graduation, Studenten yeah. is in Sweden was it's big man. Was, when you graduate high school, right? Yeah. What's it called? So, Studenten. Yeah. Studenten. It's like when you graduate high school in Sweden it was 2014, and we still hadn't won a title. So all the graduation parties leading up to the day. I was always sober when we had Christmas party. I was so <laughs> the only one sober at the party. And then we got to the FA Cup final in 2014. And that was one month before the graduation day. <laughs> and I was at the final. I paid a stupid amount of money for the ticket. And it was against uh, Hull. Yeah. yeah. And 2-0 uh, yeah. down after 10 oh, minutes. Yeah. Got back to 2-2. Because two, two uh, all the free kick. Man. Yeah. When we scored, when Koscielny scored the equaliser 2-2, I jumped 15 rows in the front <laughs> and this watch that I'm wearing today, yeah. I lost the watch in the celebrations and found it three rows down in pieces. <laughs> picked, picked all the pieces up and put them in, but I thought the watch was gone, but I thought I'll just pick it up and maybe try and repair it when I go back home. I did, I did, and it works now, so that's alright. And what that's about Sedenton? How amazing was Sedenton? I'll, I'll get there. So, <laughs> We obviously everyone knows we won in overtime. Ramsey yeah. scored the winner, and yeah. I was there with my dad and some of my best friends. So afterwards, we, everyone went back to Arsenal, and one of my friends, Ryan Alicum, bought my first ever beer, a Soul, and we went up to the Henri statue, and I had my first <laughs> beer, sweetest beer I've had <laughs> ever. And I sat on Henri's lap, having my first beer, <laughs> and then I got like a. There's pictures of me with a vodka bottle on the street, just with uh, some broken glasses. It was <laughs> proper London up. style. Uh, huh? I was special night. So I was not sober at Studenten. Well, I don't blame you, man. Who is right? <laughs> <laughs> Who is? I'd say 
peers for more Arsenal, providing more moments like that, right? Yeah. Totally, man. Thanks so much, man. Excellent Thank you. Stuff. So before you go, man, this is a hard question. And, uh, you know, you've been to 113 games, right? And uh, a lot of away games, too. And you had your first drunk moment with Tiarani's statue. Like, if you would like to describe how what it is or how it, you know, what... Like the love for the club, but like what Arsenal means to you. Yeah, to the end of it. You know, like if we end end this episode of Us Coach and King Socket Podcast Show by you telling us and our listeners what it means, what Arsenal means to you. I think like all Arsenal fans are proud of our history class of the club, but that over the last few years, what's been going on me since I started going to games, like the last over the last ten years since I started going, it's like. All the friends I made, like some of my best friends in London now, I met them on a train to a West Brom away game. And those people come to visit me in Sweden. We've been going on trips to San Francisco. Uh, now, over, since I moved to America, I've been traveling around America visiting supporters clubs. And it's just amazing how our support around the world is like growing. And it's the number of people I met through the club in England, in America, in Sweden, that I would never have met if it wasn't for Arsenal. It's just incredible. And as we talked about the moment, my first drunk moments, all the moments you get going from games, the wins, the losses, you, it's just, I don't think people that's never been into football, that's never been to a game, that don't go regular, they, they don't understand the emotions you get, both good ones and bad ones. And, it's football. It's, yeah. it's amazing. Well, it means for us. Thank Brilliant. you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you.